You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so we have three questions remaining. I think they're we can answer them relatively quick, so... Let's try to rattle through them. One is actually not a specific question. It's more something Scott's been seeing in his mentions on Twitter. Um, And the sentiment is, is this still a transition year for the Bruins? Um, Is anything, is anything they win just a bonus or should they be all in trying to win the cup now? Yeah. So this was me kind of summarizing. um, I think this was, this came off of the Patra discussion too, because one of the comments that sort of sparked this off is that like uh, they should just, you know, not, not be afraid to like play Patra more, play him up in the lineup because this year should be more about development anyways. And while yes, developing players is important um, and, you know, they are going to do that. You also currently have the second best record in the NHL. So guess what? The season's about winning. Like, sorry, but you don't get into December with the second best record in the NHL and have it be a transition year. Like you, you're trying to win now. So I know the Bruins said all along, going back to the off season, that that was their expectation. Um, and I know, you know, all of us collectively probably had mixed opinions on, you know, whether they really believe that or whether that was realistic, but here they are, you know, two months into into the season with the second best record in the league. Like it's not winning, winning a playoff round of two isn't to me, like that's not just gravy at this point. Like that's, that's what you're trying to do. And you, you can't take any contending season for granted. So when it's here, you got to go for it. Yeah. I mean, like if we're being completely honest, roster aside, because it's, you know, especially at center, it's very different. They're in the same position that they were last season. Like they're standings wise, like same, same exact position to set themselves up for a deep playoff run. I mean, even if they were going to be a wild card team, like set up for a wild card team, like, no, you're still, you're still taking a run. Like, like you mentioned, you can't take any of those years for granted and you're set up pretty well. You still have, a great defense and two great goaltenders. You're still a contender. This is not a transition year just because you have turnover and, and different personnel. Uh, doesn't mean like, Oh, you know, we, we have to figure out how to work with these people. Like, no, like you actually find yourself in a position where the same, you can have the same mindset as last year, which is, you know, we have one, one more shot at this. Um, Cause then you, you never know about after that. I think, it's been such a pleasant surprise for the organization and for fans that there wasn't a drop off from last season, despite the the fact that you lose Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci and, you know, 
you're dealing with cap issues. The fact that they are where they are right now is pretty, I think you guys would agree, above where we thought they would be at this point in the season, um, just because of the, the factors, those factors of personnel changes um, and not necessarily knowing how some of the free agent signings were going to be. And a lot of them have worked out great. Uh, the, the Lucci one, not so much, um, but uh, for an unforeseeable reason. And yeah, it's, it's, you're all in again. Like we're, we're talking about a team that's going to be buyers at the trade deadline again. Um, hopefully they can find a way to have the cap space for that, which by the way, Scott, this, this is probably something you don't have like off the top of your head, but how much cap space, and we can maybe look this up. How much cap space did they have last year at the trade deadline? Cause they made a lot of moves last year and I, well, I just don't. They had a lot because Taylor Hall and Nick Felina were in long-term IR. That's right. And the timing of that was also like, couldn't have worked out more in the Bruins favor in terms of when those guys were set to come back and, and whatnot. But yeah, like they, they were able to make so many moves last year because of that. Um, anyway. Yeah. They yeah, had I mean, a lot of space compared to, I, we don't think they're going to have that kind of space this year. So. I mean, at the end of the day, the Bruins are where they are in the standings because they're it's it's indicative of their record against all of their peers and their counterparts. And you can sit there and say that going into the season, you had questions about their personnel on paper, and maybe you still do. But you know what? There are teams on paper that may not have had the certain questions that the Bruins had, but for some reason, they're they're not they're not in a position where. Um, anything's a guarantee for them. I mean, the New Jersey devils come to mind. Like people had them as, you know, favorites in the East going to this year and, and they've, they've struggled pretty mightily. Um, you, you never know what's going to happen. If we've learned anything from last year in the postseason, is that when, when, when you think that the team is bound for success and set up perfectly, you can be bounced in the first round and the Florida Panthers taught everybody that it doesn't matter. You just have to get in. So, it doesn't if you think that the Bruins don't have, despite their place in the standings, which is again earned by playing against everybody around them, which is the entire league that they're in. Um, if you don't think that on paper they are a true Stanley Cup contender, what I would say to you is it doesn't matter what you think because we were all proven wrong last year. They had that team last year and they and they had the earliest spring of anybody that made the playoffs. And Florida, I would I still feel this way. Outside of a couple of players, I didn't even think that their their roster was was even much to scoff at. I mean, you you had a their fourth line was a bunch of people nobody heard of. Uh, their decor, besides Montour and Ekblad, it, and it they had a few players. They taught everybody a lesson. So uh, as long as the team is there, I like what you guys said. Don't take it for granted. Um, anything can happen. Whether you think the roster lacks something on paper or not, you just got to see how it plays out. Yeah, and the last thing I would say is like. All that said, like, yes, it, it's true that they almost certainly can't go all in to the extent that they did last year. As Bridget mentioned, there's cap issues. Unless they have another LTIR situation, they're, they're not going to be able to add without subtracting something off the current roster. Also, like, they traded away two first-round picks at the deadline last year. They go into this deadline, you know, they don't have a pick in the first, second, or third round. In this coming draft, they don't have their second round pick next year. Like, just from a pure what you can do, like, yeah, you you can't do as much as you did last year. But 
that doesn't mean you can't add like you know that there's there's still ways to get it done if um you know if if you work hard enough so and that could be a blessing in disguise because sometimes when you do add you you know things just don't work out the way you want them to for one reason or another too much too many chefs in the kitchen you lack account you don't know it doesn't so be careful what you wish for i guess is the point um all right two final questions here we have george on youtube kind of um piggybacking off that last one but did anyone see three rookies and a bunch of bargain bin veterans being instrumental in taking this team to the position they are currently in second overall in the league no i don't obviously you know i don't think anyone expected them to be this high up in the standings we all picked them to make the playoffs i think did did we all have them second in the division or i think so i don't i don't think any of us picked them first yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, we all thought they would be good and that they'd be a playoff team. But, yeah, certainly they've won at a higher rate than I think anyone anticipated. And no one expected Matt Potra to be part of the equation. I think, you know, we all felt like Johnny Beecher had a chance to push for a roster spot, um, you know, after a, a full year down in Providence. But, yeah, Potra's obviously been surprising, um, you know, the contributions of those look having two of your four regular centers be rookies like that's that's no small task that's the kind of thing you normally see on a rebuilding team not one that's second in the nhl in the standings and you know um jim montgomery's talked about that at at different times this year about like the challenges that that presents because for a couple like just being a rookie in the nhl by itself carries a ton of learning curves being a center carries even more of them and being a center for the Bruins where they have so many demands of their centers of what they're expected to do. Like it's not easy. And and that's why we've, you know, there's been some growing pains and it's why I'm not shocked when Montgomery, you know, sits Potter in the third period of a game or, or gives Beecher a night off. It's like, they're throwing a lot at these kids and for the most part they've handled it really well, but like they're not finished products yet. And they're, they're still going to make mistakes. And you know, the, the Bruins have to find the right balance between letting them work through it while also still trying to win games because they are a contender and every point matters. Yeah. I I don't know how much to add either here because I feel like we kind of, we kind of went over it, not specifically talking about the rookies necessarily, but we'll, that the team has done a lot better than expected. And that includes the individual performances of a Matt Patra, who we thought was going to go back to Guelph, you know, before he had such a great preseason. And then um, like, we, we know what happened from there. Like he's, he's established himself. I think all both centers. So Beecher, Beecher and Patra won those jobs from other people. Um, so they've shown, uh, that they could steal those jobs and hold on to them. Laura, I came up briefly, um, went back down, but you know, he looked to be like not a hundred percent NHL ready, but right there. I mean, if you needed him, he could be, um, but it was, it was good to see that you have options that are younger, that are coming up, um, that you, you like, and that seem like they're going to be fits for the future. Um, Cause you can kind of start projecting forward, like what Patra might be in his career. And, and if the Bruins, 
I know we talked about potentially trading Lorai for Hannafin, but like say they hold on to Lorai like as a prospect into a player that they keep around for a long time, you can kind of start seeing what they have. And it's just a kind of a good combination of cheap contracts for one reason or the other, because like we mentioned JVR coming in um, as a complete bargain uh, for a really good player who has a lot left. And then um, same thing on the, uh, the young end with Patra being 19 and, and exceeding expectations. Yeah. I mean, we, we knew based on goaltending defense and just team structure overall and, and some high end talent up front that they were, they were be a competitive team and, and, and a playoff team as we all predicted, but there were a lot of questions that if the answer was yes, this team could, could have something. If the answer was no, it might be tough to maybe they'd be a bubble, a bubble team or something. And those questions were, can, will Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka, will they, sink or swim in these elevated roles. And so far they're swimming. Um, can JVR be anything of what he used to be in the, in the NHL production wise, or is he going to be the, the, the player he was in Philly last year where he, he didn't have much production at all. And, and he's been revived. So that answers a yes. And then nobody saw, as you guys mentioned, Potter coming into the picture. Um, and then Beecher, it was a, it was a, yeah, we'll see. And he's been a pleasant surprise. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been fun to watch so far. Um, one, the final question, uh, is regarding defense and Scott, you've mentioned in the past that the Bruins are obviously excellent by all defensive metrics, but where they are weak is in transition. They give up a lot of transition, uh, opportunities. So this final question is related to that. What is causing all the odd man rushes they give up? Is it simply bad decision-making by the D man or, uh, forwards not dropping back or both? Yeah, so I, th- I think the, I guess what I'd say is the biggest problem is just in general puck management. It's been, there's been too many turnovers right inside of the offensive zone, too many one and dones in the offensive zone. And that allows teams to kind of quickly reload and come right back at you. Um, we know the Bruins play, you know, a pretty aggressive system in transition with defensemen jumping up. They use that weak side D a lot. Um, but the give and take there is like, if you don't manage the puck well and you turn it over on your rush, well, now you already have a defenseman caught up ice. So, you know, whether it's maybe a center hasn't hung back enough or whatever, like you're not fully, you're not in the right position to defend that rush coming back at you. So there's, you know, probably, other little things we could talk about like technique wise that I'm sure the Bruins are looking at on video, but the biggest overarching thing that it comes back to is puck management. Like it's turning it over on a, on a zone entry. It's, you know, a a defenseman pinching down the wall and then the forward makes a bad pass, like just things like that. Just not, not taking care of the puck is I think, um, you know, so it's not really, necessarily on the forwards or defense one more than the other it's just team-wide not taking care of the puck enough another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, like specifically, uh, usually this is where the, the rush starts from. Is like your ozone blue line. If you make a stupid play at your ozone blue line, either it like a shot that gets blocked immediately, a pass that doesn't connect, or like you said, you get caught in too deep. Like that, that all of a sudden you're turning around and trying to catch up to the guys that um, took the puck away and are heading towards your net. So yeah, it, it, a lot of it happens in that area of the ice. Yeah. And I think, I think when you're playing, um, when you're playing good team defense, transitionally, it's your, your defense uh, and your forwards coming back there, you know, there's cohesion there. It's kind of like a, like a slinky or an accordion when it kind of like comes, it comes together. It's like, you want the, you want the D to be able to step up and have good gap control, um, knowing that they have back pressure from their forwards. Uh, as far as why the Ottoman rushes are taking place in the first place, it would be to Scott's point, lack of puck management. And then from there, yeah, it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of decision-making and, and just playing as a five man unit. Um, all right, Bridget and Scott, any final um, res- response to this question or other questions or any other takes? Yeah. So, so one last note on this, because, it just worked out that um, Megan Shaka, who does some work with like staff leads and hockey analytics, uh, tweeted out today, you know, as we're recording, um, NHL oddman rushes against, which we had touched. So probably about a month ago, Nesson had this as a stat and the Bruins had given up the second most oddman rushes per game. At that point, these are not publicly available stats, but she tweeted all, all 32 teams where they rank and the Bruins are 26th. So again, still not good, but they're not the second worst anymore. And if you look at like teams around them, like there, there are other good teams there that have been struggling with this. Like the Bruins are right ahead of the Rangers. Uh, Vegas is just ahead of the Bruins, Toronto, Tampa, are right there. Dallas is not too far ahead of them. Like those are good teams. And I guess, you know, the takeaway there would be like, to me, those are all teams that want to be aggressive and get their defensemen involved. So you can kind of see like, especially early in the year, teams can struggle with that. Um, the teams at the top, the teams that are giving up the fewest, also very good teams and ones that, you know, maybe are, um, I don't know, a little more structured, I guess, but like the Kings are the best in the NHL by a lot. Um, Carolina, New Jersey, Vancouver, Florida is the top five. So it's kind of a mix of like some of the top teams are up there really good at it. And others are kind of where the Bruins are, where it's been a little bit of a struggle. All right. Well, there you have it. So thank, thank God, thank the heavens for, for Scott and his ability to pull those stats out of his ass like that, right. When we're, <laughs> when we're recording so we can, we can tie it all together and put a bow on top. So that, that would conclude uh, all the questions for this week. Uh, thank you for sending them all in. There was plenty to discuss and go over all over the map. Um, Bridget and Scott, any, any topics that you were surprised weren't, weren't asked about? Um, no, I think, yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, that's a good one. That one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll continue to be a talking point all year. I, I would imagine if 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 this year is the same as the last six he's been in Boston, or well, maybe the last three he's been in Boston, probably. Not surprisingly, we don't get a lot about the goalies just because 
they kind of just do what they do their thing and do it the right way. And it's just, you know, not something that even comes up a lot. So um, not surprised. I think every mailbag episode we had this year so far, it's like Patra heavy are the questions we're yeah. getting. I'm surprised um, there was um there was a question about Lindholm, but there was it wasn't the the Lindholm I'm thinking of. Uh, I'm surprised, maybe a little surprised. Um, just in general, I feel like Lindholm hasn't been um too harped on by 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 fans and spectators alike. I think like I think, I mean, we're he still hasn't been he hasn't picked up his production at all. I still think he's defensively he's obviously good, um, but he's supposed to be a great player in this league and not just a good one. And I just don't see him being a difference maker um, nearly enough uh, to, to, to his standards. Um, so I guess it's a long year. I'd rather him play great in the spring as over, over right now in December. Um, but I don't know. I'm surprised about him still. Yeah. Think, it, yeah. It, it almost feels like there's been, I don't know, just sort of like an accept, like as long as it's, as long as, he's not noticeable good or bad. Like people are just sort of letting it, letting it ride for now. But, you know, it's like, he's at least put up a few points. It's not, you know, like early on in the year is what, like 10 games without a point or something like that. Um, and I feel like, you know, we haven't seen early in the year. It felt like there were maybe a few more turnovers that ended up in the back of the net or ended up in scoring chances. And there haven't been as many of those. So it's like, he sort of his game's just sort of been quiet, and I think you know well, people don't really talk about quiet games. The first the first year and a half of having him, um, you had two number one defensemen on this team, in my opinion, uh, and and if one wasn't one on one night, the other one was, and he hasn't been that this year. And the whole question we had earlier on in the episode about Noah Hannafin, the the prospect of bringing Noah Hannafin to Boston, I feel like I, I wouldn't have. I'm a lot more open to it right now because with the way Lindholm is playing, I, I I do want that um that stacked top four. Whereas if Lindholm was still playing as like a number one D man, like I don't know if I would even entertain the Hannafin thing as much. Um and maybe that's an unfair statement because it's only two months into the season. But I just think if, if Lindholm's gonna be that conservative stay at home guy with Carlo, then I do think they need more offense in the back end. I think the numbers would show that too. Of course yeah. Brian Brian brought it back around to Lindholm. <laughs> someone's got to do it not entirely surprised uh, maybe he's a sleeping giant maybe you know maybe some point in this season it's like oh okay there he is you know the guy that we saw back when he played his best when McAvoy was out um probably but even when he first got brought in for the Bruins like I mean he still has that ability maybe it wakes up at some point I think that's why Brian brings him up a lot is because it's like we know it's there it's not like it's because the, the bar is so high that you know he's he's above other people's bars but we know that his is, is you know he's a he's a good uh, contributor offensively when he's at the top of his game so i know that's yeah, why Brian brings it up i do also want like we talked about forward lines i do also wonder if at some point do we see more lindholm mcavoy again like they they had one game together and and you know they get shifts together from time to time obviously but you know, maybe a more concerted effort, like could really benefit both of them, get both of them going. Um, Cause I do think like when Lindholm's with Carlo, it's just by, by its nature, a more defensive pairing and maybe not quite as involved offensively because 
on the one hand, it's like you can say that, oh, Carlos, you know, a safety blanket. He should allow Lindholm to get more involved. But on the other, like, offense is a five-man game. And, you know, being on a pairing with Charlie McAvoy, you're going to be more involved offensively than being with Brandon Carlo. Well, and especially if, like, if the whole counterpoint to putting Lindholm with Carlo is because, well, McAvoy and, Gris- and uh, Grizzly are so good together. Well, that's great, but but you know, with one point in fourteen games, whatever it's been, I mean, Grizzlick needs to he needs to step up a little bit too if he wants to meet, keep that argument alive, um, at least to the point where you're keeping Lindholm away from McAvoy. So, uh, anyway, uh, fun episode, lots to talk about. Um, and Bridget and Scott, any any final thoughts before we go? Uh, I wanted to echo something I saw uh, DJ Bean brought up on the latest What Chaos show, but. We, we didn't talk about it, but after the after Marshan's hat trick, they played um, Frankie Valley's Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. And like the whole crowd was singing along. And that was awesome. And they should play that more. Like I am absolutely on board with that take because it's it's way better than like a living on a prayer sing along, which has been overdone for decades. Um, that was that was a cool moment. <laughs> I love it. So, Bridget, I'm going to have to have you uh, film Scott next time that that song comes out at the garden <laughs> and send it over, okay? Maybe we can tweet it out from the account. How about they film me every time I sing to Scott, That's What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction? There you go. There you go. Um, all right, so Bruins are off until uh, Thursday. They play the Sabres, and then they play the Coyotes, I think, maybe Saturday yep. or Sunday. So. Saturday. The Coyotes, you just keep beating Stanley Cup champions. Like, I think someone tweeted they in, like, the last – or it's, it's a few days out of date now, but in like a 10 day span, they beat the last five Stanley cup winners or something or like a mm. two week span. Like by the way, coyotes in a playoff spot right now. So. Yeah. It's a one o'clock game at the garden. Um, Scotty will be there uh, against the coyotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and submitting questions and we will talk to you very soon.